Father in heaven, thank you so much for bringing us to the end of this year. Thank you, Lord, that even now, even though we're about to tick over into the new year, that we can still come and study your word together. Lord, our, our lives are but a, a breath on a glass. It just comes and goes and vanishes away. But your word is that which abides forever. And so, Lord, we're asking that you would illumine our hearts and minds once more as we continue to study, that you would guide and lead us with your Holy Spirit, that you would bless us and give us understanding as we're about to open the Scriptures. Lead us, O Lord, now we pray. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. So our parable for this evening is entitled, The Faithful and the Evil Servant. And this parable about this faithful and this evil servant is found in Matthew 24. And this is the beginning, actually, of four parables that we'll look at one after the other. They're back to back to back to back. And these four parables are starting with the faithful and evil servant. That's found at the end of Matthew 24. And then the beginning of Matthew 25, this is probably the more famous of the four parables that we'll look at. It is the parable of the ten virgins. And then after that, we will look at the parable of the talents. And then lastly, the parable of the sheep and the goats. And you know, what's interesting is that the difference between the faithful and the wicked servants and the good and the bad, they're very close. Why? There's hardly any difference in terms of description between these two groups. As we're just looking at a quick overview of these four parables. You see the first parable of the faithful and the evil servants. They are both servants and they both serve the same master. In the parable of the ten virgins, they're, they're all virgins. They're all virgins. And then the parable of the talents, they're all servants again of the same master and all of them receive at least one talent each. So all of them have talents. And then lastly, in the parable of the sheep and the goats. Um, they're, they're all similar animals of the same family of animals. It's not like a sheep and a dog or a sheep and a wolf. They're a sheep and a goat. They're all very similar from the same, same group of animals, family of animals, right? And you keep this in mind as we study these four parables together over these next four weeks to remember that, look, the, the distinction between the good and the bad, the 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 faithful and the wicked or the evil, it's very close and the fine line divides them both. But with that, let's now look at the introduction first that, that Jesus gave to these parables that we'll review on a weekly basis, depending on who is able to join us. They come in later, they'll still get the background to these parables, right? But let's start here in Matthew 24, verses 42 to 44. Look at what Jesus says. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. <clears throat> Jesus tells us that no man knows the day or the hour of the second coming, of Jesus' second appearing. So what do we need to do? We need to be watchful so that we can be ready. But what is the example that, that Jesus gives? It's the example of a thief 
coming in the middle of the night. But the characteristics of the thief is that we don't know what hour they will come. So they try to come at the time in which, in which we least expect it, right? And really the whole chapter of Matthew 24 is about last day events and the second coming of Jesus. And throughout the whole chapter of Matthew 24, we are warned to watch and to be ready. To watch and to be ready. God has given us signs at the beginning of Matthew 24, Jesus says, like earthquakes, like wars and rumors of wars, like pestilences that we've just gone through, like famines, you know, and these are the things that we can watch for to know how close we are to the, to the day that is approaching of the second coming. And even the example of Noah was given in Matthew 24. He didn't know when the flood was coming, but even he had to be watchful. So this this idea of being watchful is repeated throughout the whole of Matthew 24. And Jesus gives this conclusion before he jumps in to this parable of the faithful and the evil servant. So watchful, watchfulness, be ready, be watching for the second coming of Jesus. Now, let's go to Matthew 24 and the parable itself, verse 45 to 47. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, pardon me, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. So the parable begins with looking at the faithful and wise servant. He's the good servant. And what's the characteristics that's outlined about him apart from faithful and wise? Well, it says that he gives meat in due season. This is all that is highlighted about this faithful and good servant. But friends, what does it mean to give meat in due season? That word meat simply means nourishment or food. But to give food or meat in due season, it means that we give proper nourishment to people at the right time, even in proper amounts. Okay, So for example, the nourishment of newborn babes, what they require is much different from a full-grown adult, right? One requires only what? The mother's milk. Whilst the adult needs what? Solid food. And not only that, but also the right types and right varieties of food. So as the baby grows, it must eventually graduate from milk to what? Solid food. So the seasons change. It must be given meat at the right time in due season, right? So even, look, when it comes to eating, we have to eat at the right times as well. Don't eat too late, right? So all this nourishment in terms of physical food is important. So it is when it comes to this faithful servant, he gives meat in due season. He gives proper nourishment at the right time, at the right event, we could say. And you know, friends, what is the proper nourishment that the Bible refers to when it comes to this giving meat in due season? Surely it's not just referring to physical food, right? So what else do we see in the Bible when it talks about proper nourishment? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. The Bible says, 
For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be what? The first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern what? Both good and evil. So look, even in Hebrews, it says that a baby must drink milk and not eat solid food. And in contrast, those that are of full age, those that are full-grown adults, they should eat strong meat, which rightly translated is solid food, okay? What is this milk referring to? What did Hebrews say? Milk is the first principles of the oracles or the teachings of God. It is eaten by those that are unskillful in the word of righteousness. And what is that? Basically, this is the basic teachings of the Bible. If you've never studied the Bible before, you should start off with the most basic of principles, basic studies, fundamental stories and and topics, you know, Bible stories that we grew up reading. These things are important to give us understanding as we continue to read and to research and to study more. So remember, the faithful and wise servant, they give meat in due season. They give meat at the right time, which means he is not being fed himself or herself, but they are feeding others. And this faithful and wise servant, it means that they are a teacher of the Word of God, okay? They are the ones that are teaching others, whether more advanced, whether those that are just coming new into understanding what is the Bible and who is Jesus, from basic to the most advanced and everything in between, they are teachers of the Word of God, okay? They are giving meat in due season. So if we want to be faithful and wise servants, we should aim to be involved in teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Look, this It's not a requirement. It's not something that we must do in order to be saved, but it is highlighting the characteristic of what it means to be a faithful and a wise servant. He or she gives meat in due season. And this is really important. Of all the characteristics that could be highlighted about the faithful and wise servants, this is what's brought up. It doesn't talk about the the spiritual gifts. It doesn't talk about the character of the true Christian, right? The faithful and wise servant, they are found teaching the word of God, giving meat in due season from those to the youngest to those that are oldest. However, do you remember what Jesus said at the very beginning of the parable? It was related to what? The second coming, right? We have to watch. We have to watch if we want to be ready for the second coming of Jesus because the coming of Christ is going to be like a thief in the night. It's going to catch many by surprise. Many are not going to be ready. But here's the thing. What does watching and being ready for the second coming of Jesus have to do with teaching? What does that have to do with teaching? Well, look, when you teach the scriptures, or really when you teach anything, right? This is the general principle of 
a teacher. Um, and whether that's in mathematics, whether that's in science, whether that's in English, or whether that's the Bible. When we teach stuff, when we teach things, what happens is the lesson hits home a little more to the teacher, more than to those that are sitting there just listening. The teacher is the one that gains the most benefit. Why? Because you have to research, you have to study, you have to make sure you know your content before you stand up and teach it to others, right? And look, I want to ask out there, how many of you have taught the Bible before? Because this is really important. When you are a teacher, whatever subject, you study more, you research more, you want to make sure that, you know, this question is answered. You want to understand, make sure that this detail is covered. So when people ask you, you'll know what it's all about. You want to make sure that when you explain, it follows a certain flow. It follows a, a general understanding so that people can follow along with you and be blessed by whatever you're teaching, right? So you have to study so that you can teach it to others. And in that process, when we are studying, we're getting ready to teach, it's a stressful process. Many people, I've not met a single person really that hasn't been stressed teaching the Bible, okay? Uh, either that or they just don't care and they just, uh, they just read word for word what was written in the study guide and that's it. Maybe that's very little stress, but if you want to be a good teacher, if you want to make sure that people understand and you have nothing to start with except the Bible, oh, you go a far distance to make sure that you understand you're researching. The process of teaching, it ho- hits home to your heart more. The words of God become even more alive in your heart because you're, you, you aren't just sitting there listening, but you are actually having to regurgitate everything that you've studied and in the process of saying it and teaching it to others, it becomes more ingrained and deeper in your heart and life as well. So it's reinforced. And so I know for myself, many times, even when I teach doctrines, like the second coming, you know, after I give that appeal at the end, it hits home to my heart even more that I need to be ready as well. You know, I got to spend more time in the Word of God and, and make sure that I'm watchful, even as I'm sharing now. These principles are hitting home to, more, to me more than to anybody else out there. Teaching, especially when it comes to the Word of God, it rewinds us to be more watchful, more ready, more diligent to seek God's Word and to be watchful and to be ready for Christ's second coming. We need to teach if we want to be ready for the second coming of our Lord. This is part and parcel, friends, of the Gospel Commission. You see, in Matthew 28, we're told in verses 19 and 20, to go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to do what? To observe all things, Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This is what Jesus left for his disciples before he went up to heaven. This is the great gospel commission, and it is commanded to us to go out there to share the gospel with others. But you see, friends, in the process of doing it, it becomes a tool to remind us as well that we need to be watchful and to be ready because Jesus is coming back really soon. That means, friends, teaching 
was a tool to be a blessing to everyone out there, but was also a tool designed by God to remind us, the teacher, to be even more diligent and vigilant and to be watchful. This means that teaching is not a spiritual gift. If it was, then Jesus would not give it as a gospel commission to every single Christian out there. Yes, God has called every single one of you to be a teacher. Yes, He has. And He knows that each person, every single person can be involved in teaching and needs to be involved in teaching the Scriptures, not just for the benefit of others, but for the sake of their own salvation as well. And I'm not saying that you have to teach to be saved. It's not a requirement, okay? The thief on the cross never taught, and Jesus gave him the assurance that he would see him in heaven one day, right? When he comes across, when he comes again for the second time, that thief would be resurrected and brought up to heaven. But look, we need to teach so that we can remind ourselves to be ready, to be ready. But those two other characteristics of this good servant, it was what? Faithful and wise, right? He was a faithful and wise servant. So apart from what? Giving meat in due season. Be someone that has to teach the Word of God. What does it mean to be a faithful servant and a wise servant? Well, let's start with the wise, okay? James chapter 1 and verse 5. How can we be a wise servant? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Friends, if we want to be a wise servant, all we need to do is ask God, and He will give it to us. How do we know that? Well, I mean, how do we do that, pardon me? Well, all we need to do is come to God in prayer, just like how Solomon asked God for wisdom, and it was granted to him. But I want to remind you, look, this wisdom was not just any wisdom out there. This is not wisdom for, for our schoolwork and that's it, or, you know, the sort of wisdom that many of us ask for, for, for business transactions, for, for, you know, doing our presentation at school. No, this is wisdom that only God can give. Wisdom for what? Wisdom for teaching. Wisdom for understanding the Bible. Wisdom for being a faithful servant of God. Does it mean that God won't give you wisdom for your schoolwork or for your business? Of course He does. But you see, there are many people who don't believe in God and who have that sort of wisdom to know how to study and become a good doctor or a good lawyer or a good businessman, right? It's not that God wants to take credit for everything and, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to come for me to, for wisdom and all of that. But there are many people out there that can work hard and study hard to supplement that, you see? And many people in the world do just that. However, if we want to be a faithful and wise servant, that sort of wisdom only God can give. And the reason that many of us have this, un that many of us don't have this untapped wisdom from God is because we're not putting ourselves in that position to need it. The wisdom that God wants to give, it comes from studying the Scriptures. But we will never study the Scriptures like we need to until we teach it, right? You know what I mean? 
Like many of us, we don't pray and ask God for the wisdom that James chapter 1, verse 5 talks about. It's because we don't put ourselves in that position to say, okay, God, I need to really, I really need to come and labor in prayer and ask you for help. I, this is my first time teaching, or this may be my first time preaching, or whatever it is. Yes, the pastor or your elder or your friends might help you as much as possible. But at the end of the day, we go home and we still pray and ask God for help. God, help me. I, I, I'm nervous. I, I'm scared or whatever it is. And, and these feelings push us and drive us to our knees and ask God for all this help. To teach someone about Jesus. To, to preach about God and, and, and the Word of God. That takes a wisdom that only God can give. No book learning can supplement that except the Bible and the Bible only and prayer. So this wise servant, he understands what it means to pray. He understands what it means to study the Word of God. He understands that he needs this wisdom because he has to give meat in due season. The Word of God at the right proportion and the right amount to the right type of people. You see that? So he's praying. He's asking God for help. But how about that next characteristic? Faithful servant. What does it mean to be a faithful servant? Well, the word faithful simply means to be trustful, to believe, to be sure and true. What does this faithful servant have to believe though? He needs to believe that God is actually going to come back even though God delays. What he said will come to pass, okay? So he has to believe that even though God has delayed his second coming, he's still going to be watchful. He's still going to be trustful in the scriptures. How do I know this? Well, look at what it, the, the scriptures talk about, the evil servant, in comparison to this faithful and wise servant. This parable also talks about a evil servant. Look at what it actually says about the evil servant. In Matthew 24, 48, it says this, But, here's a contrast, And if that evil servant shall say in his heart, What? My Lord delayeth his coming. Do you see that? The evil servant says in his heart that the Lord is delaying his coming. His coming. He thinks and believes that Jesus is delaying and not coming back. Probably not coming back in his lifetime. Not saying that he thinks that God is never coming back ever, but, oh, God is not soon to come to pass. I mean, he's not coming. He's not coming. Not very soon. Ah, oh, I'll probably be dead and buried before Jesus comes, you know. And as a result, this wicked servant, he fails to watch. And he does quite the opposite, you see. So what can actually keep our faith strong and our belief strong to believe that Jesus is actually coming back very soon? That even though he hasn't come back yet or he hasn't come back for a long time and, you know, my grandfather and my great-grandfather, they all believed in the second coming of Jesus. They all believed that Jesus was coming in their lifetime, but Jesus never came back. You know, how can we keep that fire burning strong in our heart that every day Jesus is coming back very soon, that his timing is perfect, that though he delays, he will not be what? neglectful of his promises that we still have to watch but how lord how can i i strengthen my faith and my belief we have to watch but watch for what the signs of the times right yeah probably but there are events out there in the world that show that jesus is coming back really soon but 
everyone's seen these events, but yet not everyone is believed that Jesus is coming back soon, right? There must be something that will keep our faith strong, not just, oh, look, pandemic for the past two years. But you know, many people have seen it. All of us have gone through it, but yet what? Many of us are going back to our normal lives and we've forgotten to watch. There must be something that will keep our faith strong. It is what? Comparing Scripture with what we see in the world. Comparing Scripture with what we see in the world. You see, the foundation of our faith must be tied up in the Scripture, in the Bible, not current day events. Because after we've, we've watched the news and we've seen what happened and we, we've even lived through it, we're trying to get back to a sense of normality, trying to make life go back to normal, right? But what will keep our faith strong and make us faithful servants is comparing what is happening in the real world events with Scripture. You see, Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, right? Our faith must be founded on the Bible. But then furthermore, in John 7, 38, we're told, he that believes on me as what? The Scripture says. So, well, it says at the end there, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But look at this at the beginning. He says, he that believes on me as what? The Scripture says. You see, if we would keep our eyes in Scripture, our faith would be strengthened every day that we would never come to point to think that Jesus is actually delaying His coming or that He's not coming back at all. The, the problem that we're facing is what? It's not that the world is not seeing all these events taking place and fulfilling Scripture. It's we're only seeing these events that are kind of shaking us a little bit, but we don't look to Scripture to see that it's being fulfilled and we're not being constantly fixing our eyes, where? On Scripture. We just have it in the world, but not in the Word. We need to have it in both, friends, because this is what will keep us faithful every day. If we are reading Scripture every day, it will help us to remain faithful every single day. God is the one that will give us that strength of faith, to keep watching, not just in the world, but in His Word. Here's the contrast to the wise and the faithful servant. It's the evil servant in Matthew 24, 48 to 51. So if that evil servant says in his heart, my Lord delays his coming, verse 49, what shall he do, this evil servant? He shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you see that, friends? He says that the Lord is delaying his coming. And not only that, but he begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with those that are drunk, that he himself eventually becomes drunk. You know, we've already looked at the reason why he would say that Jesus is delaying his coming. It's because he's not spending time in Scripture. He's not spending time in prayer. And, but because of that, he goes to opposite of to what the other servants are doing. He actually goes out and beats the other servants and persecutes them. But why? 
Why does an evil servant do all these things? It is because he's getting drunk. What does the Bible say about drunkenness? Let's have a look at this characteristic real quick. What does it mean that the, this servant is getting drunk? It's not literal drunk, and we know that being literal drunk is not good as well. But what is a spiritual application? Because he will come, God will come in a day when this servant is not looking for him because he's drunk. What does it mean? Let's go to Luke 21, 34 to 36. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. This passage actually links drunkenness with being caught up with what? The cares of this life. It sounds like one of the grounds in the parable of the four grounds in Matthew 13. The good seed was choked when all these thorns sprung up and it choked out this good seed with what? The cares and riches and pleasures. His focus was wrong. Because of that, even the good seed was, that was scattered out was choked away when it began to grow. You see, the good word of God that you hear in church every week can be choked away simply by what we do throughout the week of our cares, our riches, and our pleasures, right? From the things that we are going to worry about to the things that we enjoy and our quest for money, right? All this can be choked away if we are not spending time in the Word of God on a daily basis, right? Being choked, we don't have enough oxygen, right? But it's because all these things are choking away that good seed, which is the Word of God. So because of that, many people will have that day come upon them unawares. It will become a snare to them. But Luke 21 also offered up a solution. Did you see what it was? You see in verse 36, it says watch. It says what? It says watch, therefore, and pray always. Could it be that many people are caught up with also literal drinking and getting drunk and also with the cares of this life because they aren't applying these two simple solutions, watch and pray, that many are trying to drink away their problems, drink away their stresses of life, think that this will release their stress and will help them deal with it in school or stress in work or stress in their relationships or financial stress in this life. Many of us, we turn to drinking and partying instead of turning and finding God in His Scripture, in His Word, in prayer, finding strength and peace with God in the Bible. But friends, look at what else drunkenness is connected with. Romans 13, 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Do you see that? Drunkenness is connected to rioting, chambering and wantonness, strife and envy. Rioting that's causing trouble. Chambering, well, that means cohabitation. Obviously, this is not referring to marriage, but rather living together before you're married. 
and I'm, we're talking about boyfriend, girlfriend, not roommates, right? Um, guys with guys and girls with girls, but this is boyfriend and girlfriend together. Then it also talks about what? Wantonness. Do you see that? It means filthiness, lasciviousness, which means unbridled lust. This is found in what? Fornication and adultery. It's found in pornography and sexual immorality. And we see all of this today with people. We're caught with all these things. Why? Because we're drunk. We're focused on the wrong things. The solution in regards to what we see here in Romans 13, 13 is found in verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. It's because we're not putting on Jesus Christ. We are not putting on Jesus. And so our lives are full of trouble, filled with sin, filled with immoral behavior. Let's look at another text. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Do you see that, friends? If we want to avoid being drunk, we need to be filled with the Spirit. And the only way to be filled with the Spirit is we have to pray. In order for that to happen, we got to spend time in our knee on our knees. Nothing else, my dear friends, will take the place of prayer. And one last text in regard to drunkenness. One last text. First Thessalonians 5, 7 to 8. For they that sleep sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. Do you see that, friends? Those that are drunken, they're drunken when? What time? In the night. We need to be children of light, walking in the day, not children of the night. Those that are awake in the daytime are those that are sober, not those that are drunk, right? The drunken are those that are sleeping throughout the whole day. But you see, friends, what gives light for us to walk in the day? It's not just the sun, but what is it? What is it? Psalms 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Friends, it is the word of God, the Bible. When you study the armor of God in Ephesians, you will find that it is all connected to the Bible. And right after that, right after the armor is mentioned, then in Ephesians 6, 8, 18, it says what? Praying with all prayer. Friends, this solution is a solution that I just constantly talk about all the time. Bible study and prayer. Reading your Bible, praying every day. If we would do this, friends, we would understand what it means to be watchful. We would understand what it means to be ready. Many of us, so many of us, we have heard about prayer and reading the Bible every day. So much so that maybe many of you that have been listening to me, it's like, Ben, why do you keep saying the same thing over and over again? Because, well, it's simple, friends. The solution is so simple. The question is, why still are we not doing it? How can we strengthen our resolve in the right? How can we come to this point to have a consistent time in the Word of God and prayer? Why is it so difficult for us to read the Bible and pray every single day? God's mercies are new every morning. 
but we should find that new mercies, that fresh mercies from God in His Word every day. Our experience with God needs to be fresh every day, but why? Why is it that we find it so difficult? And it's simple, because many of us, we're not willing to be teachers. We're not willing to give meat in due season. If we would be willing to teach the Bible, it will make us to read and study and pray like we've never done before. And I'm sure all teachers can testify to this fact. Look, though it is stressful to teach the Bible, at the end, we realize that we have read more of the Bible and we have prayed more prayers than what we usually do. It comes around to be a blessing to each and every one of us. You see, teaching others is simply not to save others. It is also, in the process, saving us as well. That it strengthens our spiritual journey, helps us to be watchful as well. I want to leave you with this final text for at the end of this year, for 2021, that I pray it would become true to us. Proverbs 11, 25. Look at this. It says, The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Do you see that? The liberal soul, the one that spends freely, to, to give to others freely, shall be made fat. It's like, well, the more we give, the bigger we become. And those that water others, they also will be watered. This principle is found not only in the Bible, but a principle that is found in life. When we seek to water others, we ourselves will be watered. When we seek to become a blessing to others, we, we ourselves will be blessed. The fellow student who helps their, their friend explaining some math problem or some something you know, from school to them, they end up remembering more. They end up understanding more. They, they see the material more clearly. They are learning because he or she is seeking to understand, to be a blessing to their fellow student, to explain to them. You see, friends, it's only when we're caught up with ourselves when we look at our own selves, that our lives seem bigger with problems. We become more selfish. We become more self-centered. And that's when all these problems become insurmountable, that it becomes impossible to overcome. But those who seek to bless others, even when they themselves are going through some sort of trial or hardship, we will find that our own perplexities will seem to vanish. They'll seem to come smaller in comparison to those that are in greater need. So, I want to challenge you in this 2022, not simply just to make a resolution that I want to read my Bible every day and pray every day. That was my challenge last week. Pray and study your Bible every day. But I want you to make a new resolution that you will aim to be a teacher or a preacher in this coming year. That we would be willing to put up a hand and say, you know what, I'd like to teach. I'd like to preach. I'd like to share the Word of God. Go up to your pastor, your elder, your, the, the, the youth leader, whoever is in charge and say, can I just teach? Share, even, even if it's just a 10-minute devotion. This will help you to grow like no other. And it's, it's different to just, okay, I'm going to read my Bible and pray every day. But when you read your Bible for a purpose to teach, you're, you're, you're reading the Bible that week. It's just a different different feeling. It's a different sort of experience. It deepens your relationship with Jesus. And so in this new year, 
let's seek to be an even greater blessing to others. This is not a mandate to enter heaven. But somehow in the process of watering others, we will find that God will be right there to strengthen us, to help us so that we can help them. And at the same time, it strengthens us and wisdom overflows to help our own problems and challenges of life. So when Jesus comes for a second time, it is my hope and prayer that he will find all of us busy helping others. Not just busy reading the Bible and praying, but busy out there helping all those that are in need. Be busy being a blessing to this whole world. And as a result, we ourselves will be blessed as well. So 2022, let's aim to be a bigger blessing and it will stir our hearts to pray more, to study more, to walk even closer with Jesus. May that be our New Year's resolution for 2022. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, help us to be a faithful and a wise servant. Help us to give meat in due season especially in this coming year, that we would aim to be a blessing to other people. And Lord, we know that in order to be that, we ourselves must be blessed. So Lord, please do that for us. Bless us so that we can bless others. May you lead and guide us to that end, that as we make our newest resolutions for this coming year, that you would be part of those resolutions. You would be part of our goals, our aims, and our desires. Bless us, O Lord, is our earnest plea and prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.